0: You know, we look to many arrivals, especially now. Uh, I think that we look forward to the the arrival of orders. (laughs) I'm sure many have come upon our doorstep in the last month or so. We also anticipate the arrival of loved ones during this season. Those who are living in other places and are coming in to celebrate Christmas with loved ones. We are also ones that anticipate and look forward to the arrival of certain seasons. We also know that we experience the arrival of bad news as well as good news. Some arrivals are expected and others are unexpected. But there is one arrival that was planned before the foundation of the world, and without it, hope would really be a word. That would be useless, that would be meaningless. It was the arrival of the Word. As the Word became flesh, the creator of the universe, whose throne is eternal and whose worship is endless in heaven, whose abode is beyond the expression of words and whose glory cannot be touched, and yet he was willing to leave it to come. To you, As a baby who will grow into a man who was sent to die on the cross and suffer for you. Charles Spurgeon said this, quote, Jesus left all the royalties of heaven to be born in a stable and laid in a manger, close quote. The birth of Jesus is the arrival of God's promise of redemption. That was only possible through the Son of God. Christ has been sent to us that we might believe and turn to him. It is the record of the story of God, whose birth was planned before the foundation of the world, foretold by the old prophets and witnessed by those in a manger, confirmed by the angel as he brought the gospel to the shepherds on that one starry night in the middle of a field as they were keeping watch over their herd. The infinite was clothed in human flesh and laid in a manger as an infant. It's truly a miracle to behold. That small bundled baby was God's grace offered to all, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. It's God's right hand of grace, forgiveness of sin, known. In Jesus Christ, redemption, eternal salvation in Jesus, who is the Son of God. Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 9.6 says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God's promise of a Redeemer is finally here. And to that we can praise God, we can say hallelujah, and to that we can say amen, knowing that our hope has arrived. This is good news of great joy. What we have here is God's grace extended to all mankind, and this morning we are invited to reflect on the origin of true peace and goodwill. On that night, when an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, that is, to the shepherds. And the angel said to them, as they were filled with fear, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. It was nestled in the narrative of the nativity, the birth of Jesus. Capturing a moment when a multitude of angels appeared to the shepherds and announced the birth of Jesus. It was 2,000 years ago in this little town of Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And it was foretold, it was prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem. In that day, as it was described, as we know it to be true, according to Scripture, Rome was ruled by Caesar Augustus. And he ordered that a census be taken in order to tax the people more accurately. That was the whole reason why this was done. And yet, that was used to bring about the travel of Joseph and Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem, making the trek of 80 miles to fulfill prophecy. The world at that time, though, Under the rule of Rome, was a world of war, destruction, wickedness, immorality? The world was murderous, heartless, sadistic, corrupt, and absolutely depraved. I love this quote, as Will Durant wrote this. He said, the lusty peninsula was worn out with 20 years of civil war. Its farms had been neglected, its towns had been sacked or besieged, much of its wealth had been stolen or destroyed, administration and protection had broken down, robbers made every street unsafe at night. A highway man, or highwayman or highwaymen roamed the roads, kidnapped travelers and sold them into slavery. Trade diminished, investment stood still, interest rates soared, property values fell. Morals which had been loosened by riches and luxury had not been improved by destitution and chaos. For few conditions are more demoralizing than poverty that comes after wealth. Rome was full of men who had lost their economic footing and then their moral stability. Soldiers who had tasted adventure and had learned to kill. Citizens who had seen their savings consumed in the taxes and inflation of war and waited vacuously for some returning tide to lift them back to affluence. Women dizzy with freedom, multiplying divorces, abortions, and adulteries. Close quote. Even last night, I was, we were sitting there having dinner. In Grand Terrace, a little small town... And we were in a restaurant sitting down. I was sitting down with my family. And it was close to closing time. They they closed that restaurant at nine o'clock. And there was a man who came in. He seemed kinda nervous, or perhaps he was under the influence of something. And he started to ask for some food. He started to order some food. And there came a point where just about five minutes into his arrival that all of a sudden he rushed out the door and someone from behind the counter started yelling at him, stop, stop, stop. This man just robbed the place, took all their tips and ran out. His car was running. The door was open. He had planned this and made his escape. I didn't know if, they, if he had taken everything or he had just, I don't know what he took until I found out from the person who worked there that this man had just robbed them of all of their tips. They had two. How sad, isn't that? But that is the day in which we're living in. That's the reality of the day in which we're living in. We hear of lawlessness today. Are we looking for a savior in the right place? Let's go back 2,000 years because we are talking about a people who were looking for hope. They were looking for some kind of improvement. So they themselves were looking for a political leader to bring them out of what they were living in. Better government for them was the answer. We'll see that in scripture as I point you to it. It was a world that was far from being peaceful and quiet. But this is why the father sent him. There's a whole reason why the father sent the son. After all, and I, I describe the world accurately when I say that Jesus was sent into the cesspool of sinful humanity in order to redeem it, to reconcile it, to all who believe. You see, the context of our story here, the nativity, the birth of Jesus Christ is significant because it occurs in a world that is yearning for the arrival of hope and redemption. And so to understand this, we can consider the state of mind that Jesus' disciples we're in after his crucifixion when Jesus met two of his own disciples on the road to Emmaus. When Jesus explained was explained to it was explained to him whom they did not recognize how Jesus was crucified and what their thoughts of him were in the whole situation it was explained by these two disciples. ...to Jesus as he walked with them. In Luke chapter 24, in verse 13, again, to put things in proper perspective... ...and in context of the, the world in which we're looking at, at the birth of Jesus Christ... ...we go to Luke chapter 24, in verse 13, which says... "...that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem... Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? (laughs) Jesus, (laughs) what things, right? And, And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Verse 25, listen, 21, listen to this. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. You hear how they were broken, they were sad. At this point, after the, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, after he had been crucified, he had told them over and over and over again how it is that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer, be crucified, and yet he also told them that he would be resurrected after three days. And at this point, they didn't believe that. We know that by what they're confessing in Scripture. They were hoping for a political savior. Deliver us from oppression here on earth. That is what they were hoping for. You see, it was a time when the Roman Empire's dominance and the socio-political unrest created an environment that was ripe for the message of peace. And my hope is that we are ripe for the message of peace. You see, this, at this moment, in this season, it is expected that all who believe would proclaim the gospel. And I would hope that you take full advantage of this moment, this time, and you proclaim the gospel, the only hope that is eternal, that is worth anything. Salvation, Jesus Christ. Listen, these are the days in which we're living in right now. And even as I was thinking about this, even the founding fathers of America knew that government was not the answer. Our founding fathers knew that government was not the answer. A nation cannot survive unless God was governing the hearts of the people. John Adams, and I'll quote him, he said, quote, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other, close quote. Even our founding fathers knew that that was critical to the survival of our nation. The only hope for mankind, and I will declare this from the housetops, I will tell you today and until my last breath that the only hope for mankind is Christ himself. It is not in anyone else. It is not in anything else. It is not in a political leader. It is not in a government. The only hope for mankind is Jesus Christ. It's into this that he came, that he was sent. Verse 4 again, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was, one, uh, he, he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn." A child. Unto us a child is born. As it says in Isaiah 9.6. Again, as I had said earlier, Joseph and Mary traveled 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. God promised a sign that the Messiah had arrived. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then we fast forward from Isaiah 7:14 to Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 which says this Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together she was found to be with child from the holy spirit and her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly To fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, that is Isaiah 7.14, which says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph was told by this angel, as he came to Joseph, was told that Mary had conceived by being overshadowed by the Spirit. Mary had not known man, nor did she know man, until after the birth of Jesus Christ. At that point, we know that Joseph believed what he had been told by the angel. We know, as Scripture tells us, that Mary and Joseph believed. But so did Elizabeth, and so did Zechariah, which were the parents of John the Baptist. Emmanuel. The miracle of the infinite being born in a finite body. A miracle. God with us. The sign that God had foretold had come to pass. God took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, as it says in Philippians 2.7. And we know that there was no room for him in the end, as we see how he came to Bethlehem. There There were many people gathered in Bethlehem. And by the time they got there, there was no room for them anywhere but this stable. And so, as he was born, he was laid, as he was wrapped in swaddling cloths, in a manger, in the feeding trough of animals. Jesus came into a dark and disgusting world. He would walk among sinful humanity and would eventually be nailed to a cross. But that's the whole reason why he came, to pay in full for our sins, for the sins of the world. That we have committed. That we were deserving to pay for. For all eternity. And he came. To pay for it all. God's grace. Is realized. In the love that he demonstrated to us. In that while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Charles Spurgeon said this quote. Jesus left all the royalties of heaven. To be born in a stable. And laid in a manger. Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Verse 8, as we continue, says, And in the same re- region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. And lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel. A multitude of the heavenly hosts. Praising God and saying. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Oh the proclamation that they heard in that moment. Was truly amazing. Amazing. Beyond really human comprehension, this proclamation of the glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased heralds the arrival of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, whose birth is the literal arrival of the only one who can provide and offers peace on earth in the midst of chaos, in the midst of darkness. This is the crescendo of God's redemptive plan, the plan of salvation, which had come about even before the foundation of the world. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, as we read, when the multitude of the heavenly hosts appeared, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased, we understand that this peace goes beyond the absence of conflict. And I will repeat that. This peace goes beyond the absence of conflict. In other words, this peace transcends our circumstances. It is present. Always will be present. It cannot be taken away. It cannot be stolen. It will not diminish... It will be sustained no matter what circumstances you find yourself in. It is eternal. That is known now and for all eternity. Do you possess this peace? That is what is offered in Jesus Christ alone. A peace that encompasses reconciliation with God in its fullness. Completed. You know, an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds who were out in the field on the night, keeping watch over their flock. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And that's when the angel started to tell them this good news of great joy. What is it? Oh, verse 10, it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I... Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Chosen One. In the Lord, we are not to be dismayed. In other words, we are not to lose heart. We are not to lose hope. In fact, the word tells us in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And Jesus said to his disciples in John sixteen thirty three, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And in Christ. We too are victories over the world. Over sin. And even over death. But in that moment. In that evening. That night when the shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks. God wanted them to know. That what he sent the angel to declare was true. He sent the gospel to be declared. To the most despised people of all society in that day. To the lowest of lows. No one wanted them. No one wanted to be around them. You could say that God made this declaration saying. This salvation is for all men. There's, there's no one that salvation is not offered to. Everyone. Every single one. As we read verses 10 and 11, we know that these good tidings means the gospel. It is literally the heralding of victory. That is what they were declaring. They knew this in that day a herald, a runner would be sent back from a victorious battle and and they would come back into town and they would would bring good news of great joy. Victory, victory, we have now known victory. And this is what was declared by the angel to these shepherds out in the field. Victory, victory, victory has arrived. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The moment you are saved, delivered, you have come to know victory in Christ. And then, as if that weren't enough, sending an angel to declare the gospel to these shepherds out in the field, the Lord rips open the heavens... And shows them a glimpse of heaven. How amazing is that? And suddenly there was with the angel. A multitude of the heavenly host. Praising God and saying. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those. With whom he is pleased. Can you imagine in that moment. Even as I consider. The book of Revelation. And what's happening. Happening around the throne of God right now. Can you imagine God ripping, rending the skies open and giving you a glimpse of what's happening right now? That is, in essence, what happened out in that field with these shepherds. He opened up the heavens and gave them a glimpse of heaven, praising God. And the angel described who they would find in Bethlehem. He was implying to them, go look. He is there, go look. He didn't force them, take note of this, he didn't force them. The word was given to them. And he told them, now it's up to you to go look. In a very real way, Salvation is offered to you. You are told the good news. It is up to you. Whether you go and confirm. And you come to believe and trust. In Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It is up to you. Emmanuel God with us. Verse 15. This was their response. When the angels went away from them into heaven. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. It was a different scene out in the fields when they came back. You see these shepherds beheld Jesus. I pray that you behold Jesus today consider him let let him be reflected in your life as you behold him as you gaze upon him as you study him as you fix your eyes upon the one who saved you the one who offers you salvation the one who loved you first first Shepherds beheld Jesus, saw him just as they were told, and they went away, as it says in verse 20, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. It was when they heard that they went and confirmed and beheld Jesus. It was in that moment that they walked away in awe and on worship God. In fact, they were making it known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And the people who heard them all wondered at what the shepherds told them. You see, what was happening is that as they came and they saw Jesus just as it was told to them, and so they told other people. All that they knew. This was all that they knew. And they simply wondered. They considered what they were told. And perhaps at some point, they heard the gospel in its fullness that Jesus saves and came to know salvation personally. A child is born, a son is given. Emmanuel, God with us, the arrival of the Savior, we celebrate that today. So how about you? Is that what you're ready to celebrate? You will only be able to celebrate the fullness of salvation if you know salvation personally. And I pray that you know salvation personally. No one is going to coerce you. In fact, I pray that no one convince you. But that the Holy Spirit brings you conviction. Understanding that what has separated you from the Father is your sin. But the good news is that the Son was sent to die to pay for those sins. And what is offered as He is victorious over your sin on the cross, and the grave as he resurrected three days later, that if you simply place your trust in Jesus Christ, you will know salvation, forgiveness of your sins. And you too can celebrate this Christmas with great joy. Because you have come to believe in the Son of God as your Savior. I pray that that would be you today. Will you today gaze upon Jesus, allowing him to give you his peace as you believe and trust in him? May the enthroned Lamb of God be all the heaven you desire. And you this Christmas simply behold him. The arrival of the Savior, Merry Christmas. May he be enthroned in your heart as Lord and Savior. For unto you, a child is born. Unto you, a son is given. Will you receive him? I pray that you reflect on that. You remember that. And if you don't know salvation, that perhaps right now, you ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin. And you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. May the Holy Spirit fill you and seal you for the day of redemption. May you know a new heart, a new mind, with a new hope that no one and nothing can take away, that is held securely by the Lord. May you know the peace that surpasses all understanding. And may you have a desire to walk with him and bless him. Merry Christmas. Father, we thank you, Lord. For the hope that we can only know in Jesus Christ. Through the forgiveness of our sins, by the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, oh Lord, the the small hands that were seen on that night by the shepherds would 33 years later. Be held apart, be nailed to a cross for our sins. But it was because of the love that you have for us. Those very arms would, Lord, be the ones to embrace, to bring in close those feet that were small in that manger would be the very feet that when Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem like Flint would take him to Jerusalem where he would be crucified to fulfill the will of the Father. Oh Lord, the love that you have for us, you expressed it through your Son sending him to die on the cross that the full payment for our sin would be realized, would be fulfilled. That salvation would truly be offered to all mankind, to Jews and Gentiles alike. And so, Father, I pray that right now you would, oh Lord, you would move in the hearts of each and every person here that everyone at this very moment would confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And know the hope of heaven. Rejoice in eternity because it will be in your glory because of him. And so thank you, Lord, for this moment to be reminded of your love, your grace, and your mercy. And we pray this in Jesus' name.